JBFE Studios is the Jade Motel Football Experience. And now here's your host, Jake Botel. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Football Experience. An absolute bloody pleasure to be back in your ear holes, and I am back. It's been a while. It's been a couple of months, I think, since we last um, interacted with each other. Um, since I was last talking football in a recording capacity. Um, obviously, if you're an Australian fo uh, rules footy supporter, you might have been listening to me and Sam and Johnny uh, recording the Chaps Chat Cats, regaling you with uh, all of the action and recaps and previews and other nonsense uh, from the... 2021 season so far for the Geelong Cats. Um, definitely go and have a listen to that. Um, but great to be back talking American football. Great to be back talking the NFL. Um, one of those weird things. Had to wait for the well to fill back up. That's a phrase I go back to quite a bit. Um, you know, and often talking with my dad, who's an artist, a, a visual artist who paints. Uh, murals and street art and all that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes after he's finished, finished a, you know, a project, he'll say, I don't know, I don't have any more kind of inspiration or whatever, you know, it can end up feeling a little bit empty, a little bit flat after working on a project. And, you know, something that we always talk about is that sometimes the well empties and you've got to wait for the well to fill back up. And that's kind of how I've felt after the, the, the NFL season. We did a lot of coverage on the JBFE for the 2020 NFL, uh, the COVID era um, season. And so, yeah, I intended to keep covering across the off season, intended to cover free agency, intended to cover the draft really extensively and all that sort of stuff. And the well was empty. Uh, I just didn't, yeah, didn't have the motivation, inspiration to, um, to, re to record in the, in the capacity that I thought I might have. I thought I was going to, you know, cover the off season much more intensively, but it's one of those things. And I just decided that it was time to take a bit of my own advice and let the well refill of its own accord. Uh, did a bit of writing uh, you can check that out. I wrote a long, long, long form piece on the Pittsburgh Steelers um, for a footballworld.com. Go and check out a football world, just great source of independently produced football media on all sorts of different topics. Um, you know, CFL, XFL, merger talk, draft stuff, um, the, the future of international expansion in the NFL, um, all great articles there. You know, people like Alex Fleming and John Turner and uh, 
believe there's a great article on the the downfall of the Houston Texans by Ryan Brackenridge as well. So I'm probably forgetting some of the the awesome people who write on there on a football world. Um, but you know, great content, great independently produced content you should go and check it out and as i said i was really privileged to be able to write a long form a season review um and 2021 season look ahead for the pittsburgh steelers diving into everything there that happened for the steelers across 2020 and what 2021 might hold um so go and have a look at that also wrote an article uh, a scouting report based on trey lance's 2019 season um he's a prospect i'm really really excited about um and a dude who's kind of shrouded in a bit of mystery um because his only significant tape is that one 2019 season where he was you know pretty exceptional for north dakota state university um the bison so go and check that one out as well scouting report on trey lance i'll talk a little bit about trey lance towards the end of this episode as well um also wrote one looking at seven players from the australian football league who could make the jump and change codes and play nfl see i think there's about three articles from me up there and 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 that kind of filled you know a good couple of months for me writing those and enjoying that and just chatting with people too it's been a nice time. If you're not a part of a football world um, and a football world discussion group, you should get on that and become a part of it. It's a great place to, to chop up football from a bunch of different perspectives. But outside of that, I've just enjoyed some time thinking about some other things. Um, and it's been nice doing the, the Geelong Cats podcast, but it's time. The well has been refilled and I was starting to rant about different football topics and I thought the well has been refilled and I'm ready to record another episode because I was I know when I start to rant at my partner about you know uh, the the evils of the draft industrial complex or something like that that it's <laughs> it's just about time to record another JBFE so um, here we are now uh, entertain us we're ready to crack the fuck back in to some NFL and American football coverage on the JBFE. And today we're doing some talk about the the 2021 draft. And, and this episode, um, the, the long form title, the JBFE 2021 draft primer, how to have perspective and not be a dick. <laughs> um, and, you know, what inspired this episode today was that... Um, I've had to tune out of draft coverage in a sense, um, particularly the stuff around. I mean, the, the, let's kind of face it that the, you know, I started out trying to watch all of the, the pro days and that sort of thing and, 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 and follow mock drafts and that. And then I don't know about a month ago, I was just like, I, I, I can't follow it like this, this year. Um, you know, NFL Network really started to grate on me. Um, and uh, yeah, I had to tune out. I had to tune out. Um, whether it was, you know, the rise of Zach Wilson and the people who were, you know, super pro Zach Wilson or the people who were super anti Zach Wilson, you know, on TV and that sort of thing. And, you know, the, oh my God, did you see the throw on his pro day where he, you know, zigzagged and rolled to the right and unlaunched a 70 feet? It's like, yeah, great. You know, on an empty practice field. Um, you know, that, that proves nothing either way. 
doesn't prove that he's a bad quarterback, doesn't prove that he's a good quarterback. Like, what are we really learning on Pro Day? Yep, these guys can run around in shorts and throw the football not under pressure. Um, I really think that uh, Pro Days for quarterback throwing skills... um, you know, are kind of not very indicative. I don't find it that helpful. Far more helpful. Now, one that I did find kind of helpful was watching Trey Lance's Pro Day and looking at Trey Lance because I'd watched, um, you know, a bunch of full games of him from the 2019 season and written that article about which I'll I'll link in the I'll link in the comment in the um in the description of this episode um I'll put the link to my Trey Lance scouting report um because I did watch him pretty closely and you know a big thing that I came away from I thought some of his footwork you know if we were going to nitpick things you know was something there was a there was a particular thing with the way his front foot his plant foot was landing that I thought was causing him to miss a lot of throws, um, throwing to his right. Um, and you know, in the pro day, I was able to look and see if he'd worked on that and he had worked on that, but you know, funnily enough, the throws he did miss, you know, in his pro day, um, you know, he was missing to the right still, not all the time, but you know, invariably if you went, Oh, that throw sailed a bit or that throw was a bit off, it was to the right, which was, part of the issue I thought for him um, during the season was that uh, th- this plant foot issue was 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 messing with his throwing action a little bit and and where his throw was landing um, when going on the right side of the field um, so that from that perspective that's a small element that I took away but watching a pro day you know in a vacuum what do we learn? If you haven't watched, I guess this is the the focus of this day, as I said, the JBFE 2021 Draft Primer, how to have perspective and not be a dick. This is what I'm talking about, having perspective about the draft. You know, is, have you watched any of these kids in college? And for the vast majority of the guys who are about to be drafted, I have not watched a single minute of them in college, let alone consumed say five or six games where I'm really looking at their tape, looking at their impact on the field, play by play basis kind of thing, going back, rewinding, making notes. Like how many of us can say that we've done that for the majority, you know, for, for, a, for a significant portion of these players from the draft? Most of us, you know, unless you're employed as a scout, or, you know, a, a, an NFL media person, you know, who need... Or, we're not doing that. We're not sitting there with a the clicker rewinding and going, oh, how quick did he get off the line? Or, you know, where was he meant to cover this guy? Or, you know, did he break down the, the did, you know, did he go through his progressions, you know, quickly enough? Or, did you know, did he lock the safety with his eyes on this play against it? Like, that's, we're not doing that. I'm not doing. I did that for Trey Lance. That's why I wrote a scouting report on him because I went back and I actually did the work. I, that took me, you know, a full week or two to write that because I went back and picked out six games from across the season. And I watched them in full, um, 
And I sat there and rewinded and watched in slow motion, um, you know, his throwing action, how, you know, how the play was developing and how he responded. Like I put the work in, it was a really fun exercise, but it took a lot of effort. And the reality is we're not doing that, um, you know, for the, you know, safety out of Missouri state. So, you know, I, I think we've got to have perspective, you know, we have to have perspectives. This is a deep topic that I'm passionate about. So, you know, I had to tune out of the mainstream draft coverage, you know, particularly for the, from the NFL side of things. So I'm definitely going to go and have a listen to the cover three podcast draft coverage because their main focus is college football. So they've watched these dudes play. They've, you know, and, 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 you know, with guys like say Bud Elliott, um, who's on the cover three, you know, he's part of their 24 seven scouting, you know, group, like he's watched some of these guys from high school. So they've been evaluating them for a long time. So I trust their opinions. They don't tend to have a stake in the, in the narrative. Um, of the of the NFL side of things. So whether it was the rise of Zach Wilson or then, you know, Trevor Lawrence basically being the next coming of, you know, our Lord and Saviour, um, Jesus Christ. Like, I just, you know, um, you know, watching these guys be put through their paces at the pro days, you know, like, you know, sports cars being taken out for a run, with coaches, you know, Urban Meyer standing there talking with Dabo Sweeney, like, you know, kind of like like two guys negotiating the price on a horse. I kind of got a little bit over the meat market element of it. Um, that's a book I've been reading, Meat Market by Bruce Feldman. Great book if you want to go and have a read of it um, about the college football recruiting process, which is in itself incredibly... Um, uh, electrifying and disgusting at the same time. Um, you know, so uh, the general hype around Trevor Lawrence and, and then the Justin Fields versus Mac Jones thing that's been going on, you know, that ooh, why is Justin Fields not getting the hype he deserves? And why is Mac Jones getting all this hype? For why, why would the 49ers take Mac? Why does the NFL media think that you know, Mac Jones is better quarterback. Everything I've heard on NFL Network was why the hell the San Francisco 49ers, why would you draft Mac Jones over Justin Fields? I don't know where this narrative that, you know, from people on Twitter going on about, oh, well, why, do, why does the, the draft empire believe that Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Justin Fields? The draft empire doesn't. The 49ers seem to think that Mac Jones is a better prospect than Justin Fields, but... You know, most of the perspectives that I heard coming out of the, the, the draft industrial complex were what the hell are Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers thinking trading up to get Mac Jones? You know, I don't know. People invent these narratives so they can be pissed off. And I just, I was over it, totally over it. And then we get to the talk about, oh, this guy's going to be a bust. This guy's going to be a bust. You know, Justin Fields, bust. Oh yeah, he's a bust. I saw that on on tape in college. He's a bust. You know. Oh, Trevor Lawrence, he's gonna be a bust. Zach Wilson, bust. 
you know, you can pretty much find a group of people who are pretty much willing to say that any given quarterback in the draft is going to be a bust. And the reason I'm focusing on quarterbacks today in our 2021 draft primer, how to have a perspective and not be a dick, is that that is the focus of the draft narrative, the draft industrial complex, whether it's pushed by, you know, the media or by, you know, just fans on Twitter. It's it's a quarterback mania. It's quarterback season. Is this guy going to be a, is Trevor Lawrence a future Hall of Famer? Is Trevor Lawrence the greatest quarterback since Peyton Manning to be drafted out of, you know, will Zach Wilson be the next, you know, Josh Rosen? Is Justin Fields the next Dwayne Haskins? Bust or star? Like, look, please. What, what pisses me off more than this and people on Facebook who have, you know, who are my friends and have to listen to me, tw- you know, post about this stuff, <laughs> you know, a, th- a thing that I always, that I've been saying a lot this off season is why do we, why is it okay for multi-billion dollar organizations to expect a kid coming out of college entering their first year in the professional wing of their chosen industry to fix their multi-billion dollar company. Like where else in society does that happen? Where you're, you know, your your first year walking into your first paid job and the expectation is on you to turn the fortunes of this company around. Because that's basically what the NFL expects out of young quarterbacks. You know, it's like with Joe Burrow last season. Can Joe Burrow turn the Cincinnati Bengals around? And I get that these guys get a lot of money um, and all that sort of thing. But that, that doesn't change the fact that they're still in their early 20s entering the professional setting. Now, are these companies vastly overpaying? Maybe. That's possible too. I mean, quarterback wages are absurdly out of control, you know? But I still th- I still question, why do we expect these kids to turn around the fortunes of your company in year one? It's their first year of being a professional. Why do we have this expectation of them? It, it And so I... <laughs> I sometimes think about, okay, so we call players busts. What about bust franchises? You know, instead of ranking quarterback prospect in the draft, why not rank landing spot, the prospect of landing spots, rather than approaching things from, well, if you're the 49ers, who would you like to take? Why not do an article or a podcast from, okay, so if you're Zach Wilson, where would you like to land? What's the best prospect for you in terms of the franchise? What's the A-plus landing spot? Which is the bust franchise? Because from where I sit, more young players' careers have been killed by crap bag franchises than the other way around. You know, you're talking about teams, you know, like the New York Giants, you know, have been around, you know, better part of a century, over a century. You know, like these old franchises, Cleveland Browns, the Arizona Cardinals, who have been around since, what, the late 1800s. 
well, why wouldn't 22-year-old or whatever, you know, Josh Rosen fix our franchise? Well, why should he be expected? You've been around for the better part of 100 plus years. Why is it on him? Why haven't you got your shit figured out? You know, as a, as a company, we have some bust franchises. The New York Jets, who have essentially killed Sam Donald's career. How many careers have the Jets killed in the last two decades? You know, I don't know. I think if it's fair to talk about bust players, then it's fair to talk about bust franchises. And we're going to get to that in the back half of this episode. Talking about, you know, where I see the top three landing spots being if I'm a young quarterback and where the three worst ones are. On Josh Rosen, I wanted to talk about this too, and, and this comes up in the, the Trey Lance scouting report I wrote, and also how I feel about most quarterbacks, and is you look at a guy like Josh Rosen, who was drafted in 2018, taken 10th overall by the Cardinals, he proceeds to go 3-10 and 10 in 13 starts, completes just 55.2% of his passes. 2,278 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions at 5.8 yards per attempt. He is sacked 45 times in his opening season and is pressured, uh, sorry, is sacked on 10.3% of his attempts to pass. So, you know, one in 10 times when he drops back to pass, he got sacked. He was pressured on 27% of his 393 attempts um, in a pocket that lasted just 2.3 seconds on average. Um, now look, you look at Patrick Mahomes. Now Mahomes was pressured on 33.8% of his dropbacks in 2018, a year in which he won the MVP, but he was sacked just 26 times. In his subsequent season, Mahomes was uh, protected more, pressured on just 20% and 22% of his dropbacks and sacked just 17 times through, 17 and 22 times respectively. Now, there's a big difference, and this is the crux of my argument here, talking about young quarterbacks and the organizations who draft them. Josh Rosen, drafted, 10th overall, thrust into the lineup. Patrick Mahomes, drafted in the first round and gets to sit a year behind Alex Smith. Now, the intention at the Cardinals had been for Sam Bradford to mentor Rosen through the season. But Bradford himself fell to 0-3 after three starts, threw for just 400 yards in those three games with two touchdowns and four interceptions at five yards per attempt, and I don't believe has been cited again in the league since. Now, obviously, with Josh Rosen, um, you know, following that first season where he gets the absolute shit beaten out of him, um, his coaching staff are gone. And he's traded out the door as Cliff Kingsbury goes and gets Kyler Murray. Now, was Josh Rosen a bust? That depends what, you know, I guess how you define that. I think his skill set and his execution of it certainly did him no favors. I don't think his attitude necessarily seemed to gel with being the guy. Um, you, I think coming into a season like that where you're not very well protected, like I said, he was sacked 45 times. Um, the weapons around him, his receivers that year, Larry Fitzgerald was his top receiver, 790 yards, six touchdowns. 
Christian Kirk, 590 yards, three touchdowns, and David Johnson, 446 and three touchdowns. Then you had to go to Ricky Seals-Jones, 343 yards, one touchdown. Not a great surrounding cast. Wasn't protected well. The defense was equally poor. The whole operation was poorly managed. Um, no matter what Josh Rosen was or could have been as a quarterback, I don't feel we ever really got a fair chance to see it given where he landed. You know? And, you know, let, let's look at Dwayne Haskins as well. Another guy who I think, again, I'm not saying this is, None of this is on the quarterbacks themselves. Dwayne Haskins obviously had some, you know, attitude problems and we had one full season of him in college to determine who he was as a quarterback in a very talented Ohio State team. I mean, talk about some eerie parallels maybe with, with Mac Jones. Um, you know, one full season as the starter and, you know, pretty hyped coming into the draft. But anyway, Dwayne Haskins lands in Washington in 2019, taken 15th overall, goes 3-10 and 10 in 13 starts in across two years. I think he's now on the Steelers practice squad. Completes 60% of his passes for 2,804 yards, 12 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Um, sacked 49 times in 13 starts. His top receiver that year, Terry McLaurin, 919 yards, 7 touchdowns. Then Chris Thompson, 378 and no touchdowns. Kelvin Harmon, 365 and one touchdown. Stephen Sims, 310 and four touchdowns. The leading rusher that year, Adrian Peterson with 898 and five touchdowns. And, you know, I think some of that, the, the proof in the pudding about Dwayne Haskins was that 2020 saw the acquisition of JD McKissick and Logan Thomas, who each ended up having 500 plus yards receiving and multiple touchdowns and the continued rise of Terry McLaurin. And, you know, even when they added a little bit of talent around Haskins, he still didn't really perform. So look, Haskins, I think, contributed to making his own bed. But again, these guys who are drafted, and I think Josh Rosen is a perfect example of this, they don't get this year to sit. And that's my big thing about, I think the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing is the perfect example of how you draft a new quarterback and help him make an impact when he finally gets to start. Um, you know, look, look at Baker Mayfield. You know, he landed in Cleveland in 2018. Goes six. And, uh, this is this is an example of a guy who thrived under who who survived under pressure and has ultimately now begun to thrive. Uh, lands in Cleveland in 2018. Goes six and seven in his first 13 starts as a rookie. The offense looks far livelier under him than Tyrod Taylor as he completes 63.8 percent of his passes. 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions at 7.7 yards per attempt, sacked 25 times. Um, now, he has an average pocket time of 2.2 seconds, right? So, wasn't protect, protected that well. But Baker Mayfield, along with, I think, Joe Burrow, both gritty personalities who did what they could to survive and thrive in their first year. I think both... 
Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow are good examples of two guys doing a lot with a little in their first year. Um, and that, I think, is a personality thing. I think they're both gritty competitors who weren't going to take no for an answer and who were going to keep... They had a... They just, it's, I guess that's an intangible. That's an intangible quality. Both super gritty players who didn't let things get on top of them. Um, now, Baker Mayfield took a massive step back under Freddie Kitchens, a year in which you would say the Cleveland Browns weren't run very well, where things were highly disorganized. But then you put Kevin Stefanski in place the following season, things are run really well, the operation is um, professionally managed, and Baker Mayfield gets back to doing more of what he did his first season. You know, takes him to 11-5 and five and a massive playoff win over the Steelers. And he had the best run game he's had in his three years as a Browns starter. They went for 2,300 yards and 21 touchdowns, and he threw under 500, 500 attempts, I believe, for the first time in his career. So let's look at this Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing, right? Because this has been my big thing. My, my thing about Trey Lance, I think he's a good example. Very raw prospect. Super high upside. Um, I've heard someone make a, a Josh Allen comparison in the sense of very raw, you know, huge, innate sort of physical tools, um, but might need some time to develop and, and round his game. I think he's only played 20 games at the college level, one full season. Um so let's look at Mahomes, you know, who, who was similar, similarly raw in the sense of, you know, he played in a kind of wild offense at Texas Tech. Um, and he got this year. He got this year. You know, I, I've been saying basically Trey Lance, the 49ers, maybe the Atlanta Falcons, someone with an established starter needs to go and get, I think the 49ers are the candidate here because I think Matt Ryan is is a higher ceiling player than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo fits more of that Alex Smith kind of vibe than Matt Ryan does, in my opinion. You might have a different opinion, which is fine. Um, so Patrick Mahomes drafted um, 2017 and he sits behind Alex Smith the whole, the whole year. I think he has one game at the end um, before they make playoffs. Uh, when they rested Alex Smith. So then the, the next year he takes over, obviously they, you know, he goes nuts, throws 50 touchdowns, um, wins the Super Bowl the following year, takes the team to the Super Bowl again last year, you know, he's insane. But let's look at the landing spot, okay, for Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes lands with a team that had gone 10 and 6 um, in 2017, so he so he's on a team sitting behind Alex Smith when they go 10 and six and they win their division. The year before that, before he went there, 12 and four in 2016, won their division. 2015, they went 11 and five. So, so Mahomes lands on a team that's gone 33 and 15 in the three seasons where he's not the starter, won its division two years in a row, 
a team that had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt, who all had 1,000-plus yard seasons and, and seven touchdowns each, or more than seven touchdowns each, the season before he took over. So you've landed on a team with a strong offensive identity. Like, make no mistake, this Chiefs team were contending. They just needed a QB whose skill set had a higher ceiling than Alex Smith to get them over the, to, to, to take them from, you know, perennial division winner to perennial, you know, conference and Super Bowl contender. Alex Smith threw over, I think it's 102 touchdowns and 33 interceptions in four seasons at the Chiefs, five seasons at the Chiefs, something like that. Alex Smith was played at a high level for Kansas City. And he had a lot of weapons and a strong offensive identity around him. So you get a year with that guy mentoring Mahomes on the sideline. Mahomes gets a year to try and understand what Andy Reid and the Chiefs are running, what they want to be on offense. And then when he takes over, he, you know, he, he gets a team that's full of talent. Now, I'm not saying... The, the the difference, I'm not saying that, you know, the only reason that Patrick Mahomes is an MVP and a Super Bowl winning quarterback is because he landed on the Chiefs. What I'm saying is he had the ability to blossom to his full potential more so than if he'd landed at another team. Now, he also helped the Chiefs blossom to their full potential. It was an in-kind trade-off because they gave him a year to learn how to be a professional, to learn to maximize what he had to offer. And that's what a guy like Trey Lance needs. It's what a guy like most quarterbacks need. How many guys come in year one and tear it up? Not that many. The absolute minority of quarterbacks who are drafted in the history of the league come in in year one and dominate. Most of them take time. Look at Alex Smith. Alex Smith's first season at San Francisco was one of the worst, I believe statistically, one of the worst offenses. I think he threw one touchdown and double-digit interceptions in nine starts or something like that for San Francisco, and it wasn't that much better the, the next two years either. So, you know... These things take time. And I get sick of people saying that, that, you know, this guy's a bust. Oh, he's a bust. What happens if Patrick Mahomes goes to the Cardinals? Would they have won some more games in 2018? Probably. But I'm not making them a division winner. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes was a better quarterback prospect than Josh Rosen. But he's not taking the, the the Cardinals above 500. Maybe instead of three and ten in 13 starts, you know, maybe he takes them to five and eight, four and nine. They were a bad team. They were a really bad team, and they had a young quarterback who was struggling. There's a reason they didn't start Patrick Mahomes year one at the Chiefs. Because they were smart. They knew they had Alex Smith there. They knew they could put Mahomes behind Smith and help him. 
help them. And so this, this is the thing I wish more teams did. I wish more teams drafted a quarterback with the anticipation of sitting them for a year. And again, this is the thing with the Cardinals. Sam Bradford was meant to start, but he didn't. He started three times and they, you know, they, they replaced him because he played poorly. But maybe you're better to throw Sam Bradford to the Wolves for 16 games. And just leave Rosen. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious the Cardinals weren't going to be doing much that season. Maybe Sam Bradford needs to go 3-13. and 13, And you protect Josh Rosen on the sideline. You know, you're paying Sam Bradford enough money to do that. So... Uh, <sighs> Again, Chiefs fans listening are probably like, oh, you're a Patrick Mahomes hater. Far from it. If you draft a quarterback whose potential you see as being MVP level, then you should be doing everything you can to ensure they have a chance to succeed. Look at... The the plan should be for every team, let's draft a quarterback, let's sit him behind someone for a season, that gives us not only him time to learn, it also gives you two draft classes to address what's around him, to build a better team around him. Year one, the, the, the draft that you draft the quarterback, you can also add talent at positions around him. The following draft before his first season as a starter, you can add talent around him, offensive line, protect him through the draft and free agency. It gives you two cycles to protect and set this guy up for success. I think teams that end up starting a quarterback year one out of the draft, uh, it's often an indication that they perhaps haven't adequately planned how to move on or how to develop their quarterback position. I think the Steelers, my Steelers, aren't in a great spot, to be honest. You know, I, I think now is the year that they probably should draft someone. They seem to believe a lot in Mason Rudolph. Uh, I don't particularly, but be happy to be proved wrong. But, you know, if the Steelers were in position to do that this year, to draft a quarterback, this is Big Ben's last season. He's not playing again in 2022. This is the perfect situation to know who the next guy is. Because you get a year to sit behind a future Hall of Famer and then you get to step into an offense and a team that is fairly well set up. A year in the system to learn behind someone is so important. And so I get sick of calling these guys busts. Get sick of people saying, oh, Zach, T Zach Wilson's going to be a bust. Oh, Justin Field, he's going to be a bust. Mac Jones, bust. Trevor Lawrence, bust. I also get sick of the other thing. Oh, are the Jags going to make the Super Bowl this year? Maybe they will. But you know what? It's going to be a lot harder down in Jacksonville than it was in Clemson, where you have, where your wide receivers have an athletic advantage over pretty much 98.5% of the teams you're going to be playing against week in, week out. You don't get that advantage in the NFL. I think 
Trevor Lawrence can be really great. I think Zach Wilson could be really great. I think Justin Fields could be really great. I think Mac Jones can be really great. I think Trey Lance can be really great. You know, I think the majority of starting quarterbacks who we have a decent amount of tape on who did pretty well in college all have the potential to do well if given the right starting place. And that is to not be starting in year one. I mean, you know, I guess the arguments against that are Justin Herbert, you know, taking over, Baker Mayfield taking over. But I think, again, look at Justin Herbert's situation. He's not, he wasn't at the 2018 Arizona Cardinals. Justin Herbert takes over from poor old Tyrod Taylor again with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, you know, a pretty decent offensive line. you know, a pretty talented team. You know, what cost the Chargers the year before was Phil Rivers chucking, you know, 20-plus interceptions or whatever it was. So he got, you know, Justin Herbert steps into a pretty talented situation. Anyway, that's just my rants. But now, I want to rank the best and worst landing spots. Um, If I'm a QB, let's do this. I'm going to rank the draft prospects in terms of which teams get my highest grade, which teams get my lowest grade. Let's start with the worst and work our way up. I'm going to get, I'm just going to do six teams. I'm going to do my, my bottom three, my top three. Um, and this is based on teams that are likely to take a quarterback, you know, and have the position to draft relatively high, you know, as a, for instance, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't got the Steelers listed in this, for instance, because I don't think they're really high enough to, to go after a dude unless they trade up. And I also don't think they're going to take a quarterback. But anyway, I digress. So my, I think my lowest ranked prospect here for a landing spot, the Chicago Bears, C minus. Um, you're entering a situation that could be eerily Josh Rosen-esque where there isn't that much talent around you on offense. Um, The defense even has started to slide a bit for Chicago um, as well, which was a massive strength. You've got Matt Nagy, who all signs point to being gone. Uh, You have Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. Andy Dalton doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who wants to mentor a young QB, he strikes me as the guy who's trying to redevelop his career since being at the Bengals. Um, could be wrong about that, I guess. Maybe he is perfectly happy to me. I mean, it's rare. It's rare to find a guy who's going to be like, yeah, I'm really happy to mentor you to take my job. You know, that's a that's a rare thing. Um, but I also think it's far more likely that you step in there with, you know, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. And what actually happens is that, you know, Andy Dalton loses the job or something, you know, Sam Bradford style after five or six weeks. And then you're thrust into a talent deficient offense uh, and you're fighting for your life. And then your coaching staff is out the door at the end of your rookie season. And suddenly you're wondering, hmm, do I have a position in the organization or am I going to get Josh Rosen here? So Chicago Bears, C minus. Um, they've got a track record of not producing quarterbacks. So 
there, my C minus landing spot. Um, same division, the Detroit Lions, C plus. Uh, I think for this team, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, you've got a new head coach with a new coaching staff who seems to be bringing in a lot of, um, you know, old school NFL dudes to coach. Uh, you know, you've got Jared Goff there. Speaking of guys who are going to be trying to reestablish their value and could give less of a shit about helping a young quarterback develop. Um, Jared Goff, I think we learned a lot about Goff over this the course of this season and then the off-season where some stuff came out about him and Sean McVay and maybe some comments that Jared Goff made about McVay's wife, girlfriend. I can't remember if they're married. Um, but again, Detroit, you've probably got a slightly better running game maybe than Chicago. Um, I think the coaching staff at the Detroit Lions probably has a better chance of being there come 2022. So maybe you've got more of a chance um, of consistency there as a young quarterback. But really, you know, you've also lost, um, you know, wide receiver talent. Um, The guy's name escapes me now. Kenny Golladay. I believe Kenny Golladay is gone from the Detroit Lions. I'll just Google that while we talk, make sure I'm not talking out of turn. Um, yeah, Golladay's now at the Giants. Good move by the Giants, I think. Um, so who have you got as your number one receiver? Is Marvin Jones, maybe? No, Marvin Jones has gone too. Marvin Jones is at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, so yeah, Detroit, I'm going to give them a C plus just for the coaching consistency and... But, you know, again, not a track record. I mean, Matt Stafford, the question for me about um, this is if a guy like Matt Stafford, who I think is a pretty damn good quarterback who was working with, who was doing a lot with a little, if he can't turn that around, then how are you as a rookie going to turn it around? And do you re- and, and are you landing in a situation where you're going to get helped and mentored? I, again, this this a little bit like the Chicago Bears has all the the hallmarks of a rosening where you come in, Jared Goff's meant to be the starter. Oh, well, actually, Jared Goff has stunk up the joint for the first six weeks because we're a pretty average team. Now you're over to you, kid, and you get sacked 40 times. So I'm giving the Detroit Lions a C plus. The opportunity that if you're drafted by them, that coaching staff that drafted you might still be around next year or has an opportunity to be around next year and maybe the year after. So maybe you do get the chance to to get a few years under your belt, but still tough. Uh, C plus, maybe C plus is harsh here. Maybe I should give this a B minus. I'm going to give them a B minus maybe. New York Jets. Let's, I, I think this is, yeah, I think B plus is all right. I actually think that they've, I think that this new regime is exciting. So that's, let's move it up there. Cause I think, I think they have more talent at the wide receiver position, they've got, uh, oh gosh, I'm horrible with names at the moment, but the guy who balled out for them last year, um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. But anyway, they've added talent as well. You know, they've gone out and added guys. Um, I think they added Curtis Samuel. Um, they also added Corey Davis. Um, and, and while I don't... Th- no, no, Curtis Samuel went to Washington football team. Jesus, I'm all over it, guys. I'm all over it. 
They definitely added Corey Davis, though. Um, this is where I Google it, and it's not. No, there you are. He is. Corey Davis at the New York Jets. Um, so, so they've got some things, I think, at wide receiver, and I think have the sort of the picks and capital to keep adding. Uh, I think Robert Sala will get that defense figured out. Um, so I think new GM, new coach. Again, this is a situation where you get drafted and you know, you get the opportunity to to maybe develop. You would be hoping they wouldn't be starting week one. Um, I'm trying to think who is actually the rostered quarterback at the moment for the New York Jets. Because who is on current New York Jets quarterback? Who is it? Let's have a look at the uh, the current roster um, for the New York Jets at the position of quarterback. Great podcast content here while I try and find this. Um, what do we got? James Morgan. Can I sort this by position? I can't, apparently. James Morgan. Who else we got on this roster? Mike White. Oh, oh, Lord. Um, okay, I don't really know. Okay, so I would imagine <laughs> that if I was New York Jets, I'd be wanting to add a veteran dude. Um, I don't know, is Case Keenum still out there? I feel like Case Keenum would be a perfect Jets quarterback this year. Um, so I, I think if they add someone, that helps. I would be adding someone. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I think B minus is all right. I think they're on a better trajectory. I think I like their GM, and I think Robert Salah will have you at least a good defense on the other side of the ball to help. And it looks like they're making steps to try and improve the wide receiver room. But yeah, maybe it is only a C plus like the D Detroit Lions because yeah, I don't know. No, I'm going to leave it at B plus anyway. Uh, B minus, B minus. What are we talking? It's a C plus to a B minus, depending on how you feel about the direction of the uh, recruiting there at the Jets at other positions because they don't have a lot there in terms of mentoring a quarterback um, in that quarterback room. All right, let's go to three of my upper echelon ones. I'm going to give a B-plus to the Washington football team, and I think that's a B-plus because you get to land with uh, Ron Rivera, um, who I think, you know, is a really good coach. You land in a situation where you're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick ahead of you. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a perfect quarterback to start ahead of a rookie. Yes, there's guys like Taylor Heineke in the room and Kyle Allen who all have, you know, bloody Ron Rivera connections. But if I think if I think I would want to be drafted, I'd be happy to be drafted into the Washington football team with the direction that they're heading. You've got, you know, uh, maybe a top five defense there to help you out. You know, there's, there's a certain gritty identity to at least one side of the ball. And I think you've got some promising weapons around you um, on the offense as well. So, th so that's handy. That's handy. Um, so I'm going to give them, yeah, I'm going to give Washington football a, a, a B plus. Uh, because I think they've got a veteran QB there who has mentored before 
and will mentor again. Uh, I think you've got a good head coach around you. And I think there's a good defense and a, a functional, uh, you know, enough of a, a functional offense with some nice pieces in place. And hopefully that's going to be added to. I mean, this is a team that has stocked up on, you know, say defensive line in the trenches. I think we might see Washington start adding um, some more wide receiver talent, that sort of thing through this draft. Could be wrong. Um, yeah, I'm going to give them a B plus. Let's move to two of my favorites. I'm going to give an A minus to the Atlanta Falcons as a landing spot. If I'm a young quarterback, you're getting to go into a team you will be sitting behind Matt Ryan for this season. I, I guess this is a lower ceiling Aaron Rodgers situation from last year. Say if the Falcons do take a first round quarterback this year, which there's conjecture that they will, they won't. If they did, does that inspire Matt Ryan to return to his you know MVP style form um, of a few seasons back like Aaron Rodgers did when Jordan Love was brought into the building. Um, but let's look at the pieces, I guess, around you. You know, if you're a young quarterback and you come in and Matt Ryan, you know, performs okay, but, you know, you get to start, say, in 2022. Say, say that was the plan, that by 2022, maybe 2023, I don't know, it's pretty rare for a guy to sit for two seasons. Um, that's a waste of a rookie contract when you're getting quarterbacks for you know less than you're ultimately going to have to pay them. Um, I still like this as a spot. You've got a lot of talent there to take over. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, um, uh, and others. The run game would concern me, but I have a feeling that Arthur Smith, the new head coach, is going to install a better run game uh, like they had in Tennessee. I think... Atlanta, if they do run the Tennessee-style offense, would be a great landing spot for Trey Lance. Um, I, if, if I could have just slotted Trey Lance into any offense in the league last season, say, if I, could have, if I had to pick him up out of college and put him into a pro offense that year, I would have put him into Tennessee Titans, where he had a solid run game, um, some you know play-action stuff to, to work off. I think... I think he, Trey Lance could work really well in Atlanta. So uh, I guess the defense might worry you a little bit at the Falcons. But they put in some nice performances too. Like they put in a great performance against the Chiefs. One of the better defensive efforts um, all season against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Falcons. So I'm going to give them an A-. minus. I think depending on where Matt Ryan's career goes, this could be a really good situation to land in um, as a young quarterback. And, heck, I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat for a bit behind Brett Favre, didn't he? And I wouldn't say that Matt Ryan is Brett Favre. So, if you are an upper level, if they did take a quarterback, you know, upper half of the first round, maybe you're talented enough to push Ryan out of the job. Say you sit for this year behind Matt Ryan and then entering 2022, it's a quarterback competition. Maybe you've got the goods to force him out of the job, to force the team to make a trade or move him on. I don't know. I'm going to give an A- minus to Atlanta. I think it's a good landing spot if you're a young QB. I would want to get drafted there because there's weapons. There's a coach with a strong offensive philosophy, we assume. Um, I think there's some nice stuff.
But the best position to land in this draft at quarterback, A-plus ranking for me, is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you have an established run game. You have an established GM. You have an established head coach. You have an Alex Smith-type quarterback there in Jimmy Garoppolo who, you know, from all reports, there's a very open relationship between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G. It's basically, if you play well, the job is yours. If you don't play well, the job will not be yours. I think that if the 49ers draft a young quarterback and keep Jimmy G there this year, the terms will be clear. We want you to develop this guy and the job will be yours so long as you play well. And I don't. I think if you're a young quarterback and you're behind Jimmy G, you don't fear Jimmy G having an Aaron Rodgers type situation where you inspire him to play MVP football. I don't think Jimmy G has that ceiling. So I think, you know, with an established run game to support you with a potentially top five, at least top 10 defense there in San Fran, you know, with, with all those injury injured players returning. I think the one area of concern would be that maybe you don't have as much wide receiver talent, but I think that's something that they might add. And at the end of the day, you've got George Kittle and you've got, you know, Brandon Ayuk, who looked pretty good as well. Sit for a year there, take over in 2022. I think the the, Wash, uh, the uh, San Francisco 49ers are the A-plus blue chip draft landing spot potential if you're a young quarterback. Um, I would, I think any quarterback can be successful there. I, from a selfish point of view, because I like Trey Lance, I'd like to see Trey Lance land at the 49ers because I think Kyle Shanahan could do amazing things with him. But having said that, if they go with Mac Jones, if they go with Justin Fields, whoever it is, I think can be successful there. And I think the best case scenario would be to keep Jimmy G for the Alex Smith year and then trade him next season. That's the business. If Jimmy, Jimmy G, if you play well enough to keep the job, good for you. You know, into 2022. But I, th I think that's the situation I would be looking at. Draft a guy, and I don't think it matters who it is. I think Mac Jones is a perfectly fine pick for them if you sit him for a year. I think that's the, the prerequisite for all of these quarterbacks pretty much not named Trevor Lawrence. And you know what? I'd give Justin Fields that same nod. I think Justin Fields doesn't get the respect he deserves for his leadership um, and, and intangible qualities. I think like a Joe Burrow, uh, a Baker Mayfield, I think he has the leadership capabilities um, to survive a rookie year starting. I don't think that gets talked about enough. This is a dude who balled out for two years at Ohio State, played through you know significant injury, blitzed Clemson last season, yeah, got undone by Alabama, but uh, the Ohio State secondary was as much to blame for that because they got absolutely shredded by Alabama um, in the championship game. I think I think Justin Fields is an underrated prospect um, as much for what he's, he can do off the field in terms of his intangible leadership qualities as much as for all that he offers on the field. I would love, I hope his draft stock keeps falling so he falls to Pittsburgh. That's what my hope is. I would love to get a guy like Justin Fields at Pittsburgh, sit him behind Ben for a year, start him 2022, dominate the AFC North. <laughs> all right. So uh, San Fran, I don't think you can miss on these quarterbacks as long as you keep Jimmy G for a year. 
get him to mentor them, put the plan in place. So I guess a crucial part of the title of this episode, which we need to address is having perspective and not being a dick. So having, having talked about all these different quarterbacks and the argument between why you should, you know, leave guys to rest, you know, to sit for a year behind an experienced guy, all that, you know, and me getting sick of the draft and that sort of thing, I guess is the general maybe lack of broad perspective of what the draft represents um, for people beyond, you know, the the myopic um, diehard fan perspective. You know what I mean? Like we sit here, you know, and as a Steelers fan or whatever, you know, as a fan of the NFL, like, you know, you sit and you think about different prospects and you get excited or not excited about them. You know, we have the, are they a star? Are they a bust? You know, who's going to be a future Hall of Famer? Blah, blah. That's that's really the equation, isn't it? Who's a bust and who's a future Hall of Famer? Who's a bust and who's going to get a bust? You know? Um, and so all of this being said the last hour or so is this 2021 draft, let's try and have some perspective and let's not be dicks. And what I mean by that is to think about what this day represents um, for all of these guys who have, uh, you know, tried their guts out for years of their life, since high school, you know, high school football, through college football, and now entering the draft. I was reading somewhere, you know, the 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 likelihood you know you have about the same chance of being drafted into the NFL as you do to have an IQ of 150 or above you know it, it's about that many people kind of thing um it it's 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 insane when you look at the number of high school kids you know, who get whittled down into college and then the amount of, you know, players from college who get whittled down into the NFL. I mean, you know, you're going from tens of thousands of teams to a few hundred teams to 32 teams. You know, when, when we say, oh, is, you know, is he a Hall of Famer or is he, is he a bust? Let's look at the, let's have some perspective on what these guys have achieved to even get selected into in to the uh, to a team via the draft to make a roster if you're one of the final you know 50 odd guys who make the final roster after training camp you have achieved something really remarkable and you know even if your career doesn't pan out the way you know you had hoped or the way your career was predicted to that's it's a hell of an achievement it's more than many of us will ever achieve uh, in terms of the work required, you know, that they put in, um, that the stakes are so high and can be derailed by such small things and so many things out of their control. You know, you go through all this to land on a team that isn't, happens to be in a down patch, hence why you might be selected early. Whereas perhaps if you slip a few rounds and get picked up by another team later in the draft, who's in a better, there are so many factors outside of your control. You know, you get tackled and twisted slightly wrong and you break your leg. 
and it impacts your ability to play the game as you have done all your life and suddenly you're out of the job that you dreamed of having, that you've done all the work to, to obtain. Let's try and have perspective and not be a dick. I understand that this is an entertainment event, you know, the draft, the NFL sport, you know, professional sport, you know, the guess it's a competitive league, but at the same time, it is entertainment too. And I understand that perspective. You know, people say, well, I'm allowed to bag the guy out. I'm allowed to say, I think he's a bust. And that's, that's fair. You are allowed to say that. All I'm trying to encourage all of us, myself included, to do is have some perspective. Don't be a dick. Have some perspective. Think about it what this day means for so many people. You know, I think it's worth doing. This represents so much to so many of these young guys. And think about all of the guys around the country who are watching this draft, wishing they could be involved, but knowing that their football careers are probably over, that they played their last games in college. They would give anything just to be drafted or signed as a, an undrafted free agent to have the opportunity to try and crack one of these squads. So it is entertainment, but why not choose to, to be excited for these kids? Why not choose to be excited about what your team is doing? Um, now, I'm not saying that you know, if you're a Bears fan, that you should you know just suck it up and be happy about the abysmal quarterback situation that's been you know your team for the last however long. I'm not saying you have to be, you know, I'm not saying we have to be ignorant or that we can't question when things aren't done well. I'm just saying have some perspective around the draft. If you look at the numbers around the draft, about how many guys, you know, make successful careers out of this. And, you know, the correlation of, say, first-round picks to success. I mean, look at the, 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 the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. Take it in the sixth round. Who, pick, who, who predicted the career he would have? We have no idea what's going to happen. So, you know, we can criticize, oh, this quarterback was taken in the first round above. Who knows? There could be a guy out there totally off the radar. But he's Sam Ellinger or somebody, you know, there's someone out there, you know, Dustin Crum at Kent State, you know, someone just gets picked up, lands in the right situation, has the right work ethic and attitude to persist and achieve and remarkable things can happen. So have fun this draft. Obviously, I'm the first one to say you can take the piss out of a situation, you can take the piss out of people, take the piss out of me if you want. You know, have some fun with it, but but do remember that, you know, these are people who have worked incredibly hard to get where they are. And even if they bust out of the NFL by your definition, to even have the opportunity to bust out of the NFL, uh, they have worked incredibly hard to get there for this opportunity and overcome all sorts of odds, uh, many of which haven't been in their control, an amount of hard work and luck as well that fate smiled upon them to give them the opportunity as well. So breathe, breathe through it. And, you know, if you're going to hold people accountable, you know, maybe more of our frustration with our teams should be directed um, at the ownership levels. You know, at the end of the day, someone is picking these GMs and coaches 
um, to populate the staff and do the job of selecting these young guys and guide them through their careers. Maybe if you want to get frustrated, Chicago Bears fans, don't get frustrated, you know, if you got at the young quarterback who gets drafted. You know, Jets fans, don't get frustrated at Zach Wilson. Um, or poor old Sam Darnold, who tried his best in a very trying situation. Uh, we've seen so much evidence of what a decent staff setup can do with players. And um, yeah, have some perspective, guys. Let's all do it, myself included. I'm certainly guilty of, you know, having strong knee-jerk opinions about players and coaches at times. And um, at the end of the day, they're, they are small individual parts of a, a gigantic operation. And sometimes we'd be better to level our criticisms uh, towards some of the higher decision makers in those organizations, as opposed to the, the soldiers on the front line um, who often bear the most ire of the results. So that's my little thing. Have some perspective, enjoy the draft. Um, it'll be fun. It's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to see what happens um, with it. But have some perspective and don't be a dick. All right, guys, I need to wrap this one up. One last fast thought for um, from college football. College football spring games. Watch the Texas uh, spring game last night and the Oklahoma spring game. And I have a sneaky feeling Caleb Williams is going to make this quarterback competition with Spencer Rattler much more of a competition um, than we might think at first glance. I like To me, the spring game for him was a statement of intent. Spencer Rattler looked kind of average, to be honest. And I, again, here's me going on about fucking spring games when I've been like, oh, you know, we can't judge anything off pro days. Um, but anyway, I thought Caleb Williams looked really good. Um, he reminds me in some ways, and I don't know what their heights and weights and that sort of thing, how they compare, but there's a little bit of Kyler Murray to him. He's very fast twitch um, in terms of his, the way he moves and delivers the ball and, you know, gets out of the pocket. He hustles. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a, uh, a fast twitch kind of player, really, you know, electric. Um, and, you know, there are a few things, like he got out in front to run block on one play. Not that he laid a block because, you know, you're not meant to make contact with him, but he, he ran out in front as though he was intending to run block. Um, you know, he also hit up against a pass rusher uh, on a handoff play where, you know, he... Uh, faked like he was going to keep it handed off and the rusher came at him and he sort of you know pushed pushed the guy off like there was a real kind of aggression to how he took the game on so i'm not the world's biggest spencer rattler fan um but even outside of that i think caleb williams is a freaking great prospect to be honest all right oh i better Get moving. Got to get to that day job, folks. Got to earn that bread. Until next time, you guys have been great. I've been reasonable. It's the JBFE. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Jake Motel Football Experience. 
Make sure to follow us on Facebook at Jake Botel Football Experience and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, we invite you to support the JBFE on Patreon and you'll receive additional exclusive bonus content. Thank you again for joining us at the JBFE.